Four Midwest Guys presents Welcome back to my list. This is part two of John John Z's Academy Award predictions. So Episode one, we covered some of the, uh, the more technical awards. We're going to cover a couple more bigger awards here, as well as some more as like the last of the technical awards in part two. So, moving on, let's start with Best Supporting Actress. All signs point to Laura Dern right now. She's got the Golden Globe. She's got the Broadcast Film Critics Award. She's got the SAG Award. She's got pretty much everything all lined up. In fact. All of the acting categories have that. Every, I, unless I'm mistaken, I think everybody that's won a Golden Globe uh, has also won a SAG and has also won the Broadcast Film Critics Award. So odds are you're going to get the, you know, it could line up four for four. But I also have... I have a suspicion here. As strong as Laura Dern is right now in this category, she could actually, uh, I think she might lose out to Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit. Because uh, I have my reasons. Uh, I don't know, I mean, it's a lot of them I want to save for the rest of the episode. Because, I'm sorry, like Margot Robbie, Florence Pugh, uh, Kathy Bates, uh, I sadly haven't seen any of the, the, those three movies, but I I don't see them making enough waves to where they'll sneak in and win, but yeah, good money's on Laura Dern, for now I'm predicting Laura Dern, but I, mm, I also want to predict Scarlett Johansson, and and I'll say it right now. Fine. I'm not going to save it for the end of part one. I think there is going to be a very, very obvious Netflix backlash. And by that, I mean there's the potential that every Netflix movie could go home empty-handed. That would mean Marriage Story. That would mean The Two Popes. And that would also mean The Irishman. And I know in my last video I called The Irishman for visual effects, but I think if we see The Irishman lose visual effects to either 1917 or Lion King, we are going to be in for a big FU to Netflix and basically streaming movies. Because there's a little bit of a backlash in Hollywood right now that they think streaming services are killing the theatrical experience. And it's one instance, there's a lot of other factors that go into it too. I think, but I think it's going to be their way of like possibly making a statement. And I think that it could be, I think it could be that enough for Scarlett Johansson to sneak in. But don't want to dwell on it too much. I'm going to move on to best production design. Um, it's going to come down to the two art director, art director's guild winners. It's either going to be the contemporary winner, Parasite, or the period winner, which was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Contemporary normally doesn't win, 
as in ever. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah, I would have to call Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, if Parasite wins here, then expect a really big showing for Parasite that night. However, I don't see it going too strong. I'll get into that a little later. But yes, for now, production design. Uh, the, oh, the other nominees, uh, Jojo Rabbit, The Irishman, in 1917. We're going to hear those names a lot throughout the rest of the technical categories. Um, Irishman sets, I think they nominated quantity over quality because there's over 200 uh, sets that they had, to, or locations and sets they had to do for the film. I think maybe at least half of those had to be originally constructed. Um, Jojo Rabbit, I'd really like to see Jojo Rabbit nominated. It had a strong collar palette, it created a really wonderful town, uh, but I think just the fabricated period piece of Tarantino's, uh, I, sh I shouldn't say fabricated, hyper-realistic period piece that Tarantino created with Once Upon a Time, I think that's what's going to win. But that house in Parasite, if you ever get to see that movie, if any of my viewers are watching this or any of my listeners are watching this, that house in Parasite is a beautiful piece of set design. Moving on to another design category in costume design. We have, I'm going to read the nominees out first. I'm kind of winging this, I apologize. Uh, we have The Irishman, we have Joker, uh, Jojo Rabbit, Little Women, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Well, well, surprisingly, Jojo Rabbit actually won the Guild Award, so that is kind of a surprise win there. I, I wouldn't say so much surprise. It, it had everything. It had 40, 1940s uniforms. It had uh, plain clothes from the 1940s. It had, um, and again, a strong color palette, too. That's always something that's very helpful. So I think that's what helped the, the Guild win. And plus, the neat thing is you can see as the character Jojo progresses in the film, his costumes go from less, you know, rigid and, you know, uniform to more plain clothes and, and, and ordinary and basically like a kid. Um, but it's always the period piece. It's If, if you want to know what's going to win costumes, think of what's got the prettiest period dress. <laughs> um, and with that said, I think Little Women's going to take it. You know, it's it's got everything. I mean, it's got what the category loves. It's got multiple characters. It's got a very, you know, prominent time period that people love to see that kind of dress is made for. And people in the industry know that you don't just go to a rack and buy them anywhere. They actually will have to make them. They'll have to fit them to the actresses. Um, and they'll have to work in context with the rest of the film. So, yeah, Little Women's going to win here. Jojo Rabbit's got an outside chance. Or even Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, I don't see Joker or Irishman winning. So, yeah, I'm going to say the safe bet right now is Little Women. Moving on to sound mixing. Well, um, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't even know if I should, I should drag this out as much as I should, but... It's going to be 1917. War film, it's going to win. Think of the past winners. Saving Private Ryan, Dunkirk, uh, Black Hawk Down. Uh, it's just 
war films always seem to sneak in and take the best sound award. Uh, unless you're a musical. Or hell, even Hacksaw Ridge took sound mixing over La La Land in 2016. First win for Kevin O'Connell, too. Breaking his streak. So, yeah. Um, and we, since we don't have a musical here, uh, I'm just going to say 1917. Ford v. Ferrari won the Cinema Audio Society Award, uh, but that's only because 1917 wasn't nominated either. We had a... So, yeah. It's going to be 1917. Ford v. Ferrari, possible chance. Don't see it upseating it, because 1917, we're going to see a small sweep from that film, and it's going to take sound mixing here. Uh, but I will touch on some other interesting notes here. For Once Upon a Time in Hollywood... Uh, both Michael Minkler and his son, Christian Minkler, are nominated. If I'm not mistaken, uh, this is Christian Minkler's first Oscar nomination, making him the third generation of Minklers that have been nominated in a category. So you've had, uh, I think, Bob Minkler was the first, uh, then his nephew uh, was Michael Minkler, and then Michael's son, Christian, is now nominated for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, so that makes uh, three generations of a family nominated in the same category. I think that's a cool thing. And Ad Astra sneaking into sound mixing, I wondered what the hell, I mean, I, I, I thought it was gonna get like completely shafted, but then I realized who was nominated. Um, Gary Rydstrom and Tom Johnson are two living legends of sound design, and I am so glad to see them back in the game. Um, I haven't heard a great Gary Rydstrom mixed movie in a long time, and if you're wondering why that's such a big thing, um, I'm just gonna say Terminator 2, Jurassic Park, uh, Titanic, Saving Private Ryan, just the list goes on. Early Pixar films, Gary Rydstrom. You know, the man is an icon. And Tom Johnson normally works with them too, so yeah, that, that, that's got me really excited. So when I get more time and I get a chance to actually say, hey, maybe I can sit and rent this movie, I'm going to check out Ad Astra, and we'll make sure I do it in my surround sound too. So, moving on, sound effects, pretty much the same run here. Uh, we don't have anything that's, you know, we don't have like a lot of record breakers here. So again, it's going to come down to 1917 versus 4V Ferrari. <laughs> uh, 1917 is going to take it again. We're going to have both sound categories there. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have much to say from that. Which is funny, because my next category is Best Cinematography. If you put money on anything other than 1917 for cinematography, or if you pick anything else other than 1917 for cinematography, you are throwing your prediction away. I'm saying that right now. Everyone that is aware of what cinematography is, they if they've seen this movie, if they know of this movie, they can't, I mean, you cannot vote for anything else. You honestly can't. I mean, I know that, again, I've said it for Birdman that I thought that was a little, you know, pretentious and ostentatious to just be like, Oh, you know, it's like, oh, it's one fluid take, and it takes place over the course of, like, a week or so, and it's... It didn't work for me. I didn't think it worked. Um, but with 1917, it was just the right story 
and was done in just the right manner that it didn't call too much attention to itself and actually put the audience like in the feeling of the story. So this is a one-take movie done right. And the reason I'm going so far into this because I don't even feel like I need to cover the other nominees of you know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Lighthouse, Irishman, and Joker. Um, they did fine jobs, but I'm sorry, 1917, the camera work in that and just what they were able to accomplish, it's, it's the perfect harmony of a film production and it's gonna win. And basically don't predict anything else. Moving on to best film editing. So we don't have 1917 here. So our other nominees are Ford v Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, and Parasite. Uh, Irishman, not gonna win. A lot of people complained about the pacing, about the length, three and a half hours. It's not gonna win. Uh, Joker, fine job, did what it needed to. Couple edit tricks here and there, but I don't see it winning here, unless support is absolutely feverish, which it hasn't been lately, so I don't see that. Uh, Jojo Rabbit, eh, could win, possibly. There's a, uh, you know, um, it won the comedic editing, you know, the American cinema editors, they uh, divide between comedic and dramatic. Jojo Rabbit won the comedic one, so possibly, but I won't see it here. So I think our two contenders are Ford v Ferrari and Parasite. Now, since Bullet in 1968, if you were going to do any kind of car chase or any kind of car racing in a film, you had to have it done right. And unless, so again, I still haven't seen Ford v Ferrari, but I imagine that, you know, I imagine that the editing had to have been like precise, like had to have been absolutely perfect in order for it to have achieved its purpose. It could win here, which would be a little odd that the only award that Ford v Ferrari would win would go to film editing, um, just because I that normally doesn't happen. So with that said, I'm actually predicting Parasite for film editing. Now the reason for that is there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of support for Parasite lately, and even though Ford v Ferrari, like a car racing film, is usually going to be very highly regarded in its own uh, you know in its own medium. Like, you'd think the other editors would jump on board, you'd think the American cinema editors would have awarded that film, but instead they went with Parasite. So, I think the support for Parasite is growing, and I think the uh, guild win for Parasite is what's going to help put it over the edge. So, Parasite's going to win for film editing. Alright, moving on to supporting actor. It's Brad Pitt's year. <laughs> uh, this is his third nomination and it will be his first win, and he deserves it. I'm sorry. Um, I loved him since I saw him in Seven. I know he's been acting before that. I know he was in, uh, I, I didn't see California until later, but Seven was the first time I stood up and went, yeah, I, I, I buy all the, uh, the hits. You know, I, I buy all the, you know, the buzz around him because before that I thought of him as just like a pretty boy in Legends of the Fall and Interview with the Vampire but no seven uh, 12 and then later on that year in seven he did 12 monkeys and that was his first nomination and 
I wanted him to win. I really did. Um, he got nominated again for Curious Case of Benjamin Button, and he's he turns in some consistently good performances, you know. And this is the first. I think this is the first time in a long time that he's been allowed to have, you know, you know this good of a role. And when he got it, like people were thinking he was the lead of this film. Like you know, DiCaprio is the lead. I mean, that's that's basically in the story. DiCaprio's the lead, and Brad Pitt is his stuntman or his double or his backup. He's the guy that's always there for him. He is the supporting actor. And by the very definition of just the role, his performing, if DiCaprio's performance is great, it's because Pitt was there for him too. And that's not to discredit anything DiCaprio did in the film. We'll get to that later. Um, not to discredit, but he was very good. But yeah, uh, the other actors, uh, Joe Pesci and Al Pacino for The Irishman, they'll cancel each other out. Uh, Anthony Hopkins for The Two Popes, I don't think is very, running very strong right now. Um, and sadly, I don't think Tom Hanks is for uh, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. I think had the movie caught on more, it would have made bigger waves. But as it stands, Brad Pitt's your front runner right now. So. That concludes part two of my Oscar predictions this year, and stay tuned for the big five.